Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome once again to the Better Black Than Never podcast. It is wonderful to have you here with me. I am, of course, your host, Tavarnas King, and I am thrilled to have you here with me today. Now, today is Thursday, obviously, and this podcast is supposed to be Mondays and Wednesdays. That's what I promised you guys, right? Well, technology and specifically Windows, Microsoft's ass sabotaged me yesterday because they did the shit that I hate, which is they automatically updated my computer overnight. Uh, and so when I woke up the next morning, everything was restarted. Everything was updated for, I guess, security purposes. And the next thing you know, things don't work the way they're supposed to work. Things sounds all janky. So it took more time for me to fix shit, download new updates to shit because of the update that Windows put through. So it's all a big shit show. And so that's why we find ourselves sending this out a day late. But c'est la vie. You can't always control these things. Although I did find a way to control that shit. And from now on, that won't be happening again. Now, today's podcast is going to be a little bit longer than usual. It's going to be about an hour and 15, an hour and 20 minutes long. So I know that clearly is not what I promised when I said I was going to keep this to an hour, but a ton of shit happened. A ton of shit happened and I wanted to talk about it and I want to kind of focus in. So what I'm going to be doing moving forward for longer than usual podcast episodes is I am going to tell you where you can jump to in the podcast to just listen to what you want to listen to. Okay, so I'm gonna give you a breakdown of what it is I'm gonna be talking about and then tell you where in the podcast you can just jump scrub all the way through to just listen to what it is you want you want to listen to. So the first topic today is going to be the job losses by African-American women in December that came through that jobs report. We definitely got to jump into that. So you can jump to the five minute mark to listen to that. I'm also going to be talking about the Apple $100 million investment to fight racial inequality and to increase racial equity, I guess. We definitely got to get into that. There's some details I want to share about that. You can jump to the 36-minute mark for that. I want to talk about the Nicki Minaj versus Tracy Chapman copyright lawsuit. I don't think people really understand how dire and fucking crazy shit could have gotten had it gone the other way. So you can jump to the 50-minute mark for that one. And then lastly, we're gonna, we got to talk about this. The charges that were revealed to be levied against the ex-Michigan governor, Rick Snyder. You can jump to the one-hour mark for that. Okay? We, got, we definitely got to get into that shit because that's some, that's some bullshit. We, we got we to gotta break that shit down. And, the, and it won't be the last time we talk about that. So again... Job losses by African-American women, the five-minute mark. The Apple $100 million investment into the black community, that one right there, the 36-minute mark. Nicki Minaj versus Tracy Chapman, the copyright infringement lawsuit, how that's important, how that could have gone the other way, how that could have completely fucked us up, the 50-minute mark. And then lastly, the charges against Governor Rick Snyder, ex-governor of Michigan, Rick Snyder, the one-hour mark, okay? As always, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and give me those five stars. We're making shit happen, man. This is a beautiful thing. 
We're definitely here to talk about black issues as well as the news, the culture, and things that are going underneath the radar that people aren't paying attention attention to, but definitely affects us in the community. We're breaking all that shit down, and I'm thankful and grateful that you are here to to listen and to also give me your own opinions, right? We're going to be setting up some things that you guys can, you know, send me your questions, your opinions, things you want me to talk about. We're going to be setting all that shit up too, all right? So as always, thank you, and you know what? Let's get into it. So the first topic I want to talk about is the job report that came out uh, last week, I believe it was, on the 8th, and if you just looked at the title of tweets and in the article titles on pages, all you would see was that jobs report came out and all the losses of jobs during this time period, specifically December, all went to women, which clearly isn't great. But when you read deeper into the article, you see how it's even worse than that. The losses overwhelmingly vastly 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 the majority of those losses went to black women and other women of color specifically hispanic women hence why i wanted to make this topic a a a topic to discuss today even though there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on because clearly this is a topic that affects the community so first off Let's let's get some stats so that we fully understand what's happening. So I'm going to read an excerpt from a report about the report from the National Women's Law Center. Okay, here we go. The most recent Bureau of Labor Statistics monthly jobs report shows that the economy lost 140,000 net jobs in December, marking the first month of job loss since the economy started adding back jobs in May 2020. All of the jobs lost were women's jobs, with women losing 156,000 jobs and men gaining 16,000 jobs. With December's losses, more than 2 in 5, that's 44%, of over 22 million jobs lost in March and April due to COVID-19, have not returned, which is this insane number. In December twenty, excuse me. In December, twenty-seven thousand women entered the labor force after eight hundred and sixty-three thousand exited in September. However, a hundred and fifty-four thousand black women left the labor force last month, marking the largest one-month drop. In their, meaning black women's, labor force size since March and April 2020. There were nearly 2.1 million fewer women in labor in the labor force in December than there were in February before the pandemic started. None of that is good. <laughs> Not, none of that is good. And that is why I want to really focus in on this because this really, this really hits home, at least for me, because I grew up, you know, after my, my dad died, my mother and my grandmother raised me. So women 
being employed, being powerful, being you know agents of their own destiny, something that I grew up with. And so seeing this, you know, specifically this news about black women kind of hits home for me. So the core issue here is that black women, Hispanic women, you know, they tend to, at least in December and generally overall, they tend to occupy a large percentage of what's called the leisure and hospitality industry sector. So these, these are jobs within the food and drinking space. So we're talking about restaurants, obviously. We're talking about jobs in hotels and motels. We're talking about jobs at amusement parks, gambling spots, basically casinos, recreational spots. So we're talking about places like Dave & Buster, museums, obviously, you know what a museum is, performing arts centers, concert halls, and sports arenas. And so black and Hispanic women make up just a large percentage of the people employed in these places, in these spaces, and in this sector, and therefore, it creates a problem when you have a global pandemic where the virus spreads when people gather together because the base, the function of all these particular things I just listed is for the gathering of people, okay? People gather at concerts hall. People gather at casinos. People gather at, you know, amusement parks. People gather at sports arenas. Since we can't gather anymore for obvious reasons, that means these businesses are under real, real pressure. Some of them going out of business for a little while. A lot of them going out of business forever. Like, never going to see them again. I mean, there are a couple of restaurants that were my favorites that are gone now forever. And some of them are just temporarily closed. And I'm kind of crossing my fingers that, you know, they can last. But there's a good chance that they won't come back either. And so those workers are going to get screwed because all of these jobs require that you be there in person. In other words, these are not jobs that can be done remotely. On top of that, these are low-paying jobs. So these are low-wage jobs. These are jobs where I think you would be lucky if you made 30000 a year, maybe forty. Lucky. And I live in New York City. If you make forty thousand dollars a year, hmm, that's 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 tight. That's tight, right? On top of that, because it keeps getting worse. Generally speaking, these jobs do not come with paid sick leave, and so during a pandemic, you get sick or you're not feeling well. You just you know, hey, I just got a little bit of the sweats here. Maybe I should stay home. You're risking a paycheck, which then forces you to go into work and you could possibly spread this virus through no fault of your own because you're probably thinking to yourself, hey, I should stay home. But if you stay home, you don't get paid. If you don't get paid, you can't put food on the table. You can't pay the rent. You can't pay the bills. So you're stuck because there's no paid sick leave. So the situation is completely fucked. And again, I'm, I'm focusing on how this affects black women and how black women find themselves here. Now, look, I don't imagine that I have to go into chapter and verse for the people listening to this podcast about how clearly systematic racism leads to this, right? You're a black person. This government conspired to keep you from being able to build wealth 
especially and specifically during the GI Bill, where you could have brought real estate, which means that you don't have, your parents were not able to pass on to you dollars and money and investments like they pass, like we see passed on to white children. So now you find yourself needing to work. But on top of that, the government conspired to push you into a ghetto where they underserved you, where they redlined you. And on top of that, that ghetto has poor schools, and we're going to get into that. And so those poor schools give you bad education. You come out of there undereducated, even though you're brilliant, even though you're smart, even though you're excellent, but you just don't have the tools via education necessary to compete, which means you don't go to college. Because even though you may want to, A, you probably don't have the confidence. B, you don't have the money, you know, to go to college. And so what do you do? You just go out there, you try and just get a job to survive. And then for some of you who are lucky that you were able to fight all through that and get to college, well, you come out of college in debt but with a degree only to find out that you're still going to be discriminated against. Because when the HR department gets your resume, even if you got identical experience and accolades and degrees as someone else, if the name of the, excuse me, if the name on the other resume is Kimberly and your name is Latasha, Latasha doesn't get an interview. And so here we are just dealing with mammoth amount of fuckery that leads to a scenario where you have an industry with low wages, with no paid sick leave, that you cannot do remotely, that exposes you, especially during a recession, and then when there's a downturn, you're exposed and you lose your job. It's complete fuckery. So the question then becomes, well, what do we do about this, right? What is the solution to all of this? Well, there's... There is the 10,000-foot view solution, the really big solution, and then there is the on-the-local-level solution, and we need to talk about both of them, okay? What we're talking about here, when we're talking about what leads to black women losing all these jobs because they make up such a large portion of a vulnerable job sector, is institutional racism, Structural racism. Structural racism is not something that black people did to themselves. Black people then come over here and say, you know what? You know what would be awesome? If I worked my ass off to set up a society where if I name my child Keisha, she can't get a job, she can't get a home loan, schools are going to disrespect her, her, teacher are not gonna, her teachers are not going to treat her right. That would be fucking awesome. Let's let's do that. No, that's not what fucking happened. Structural racism was put in place by and to the benefit of white people. Okay? Structural racism put in place by and is maintained by white people. All white people. And I say that because I want to make sure you emphasize white women too because too often we just focus on white men when in the cut I mean, I'll tell you right now, every HR department I've ever worked with was completely and totally staffed by white women. 
I've never I've worked in corporate America for a minute. I've never seen an HR department staffed by black people. Definitely not one headed by black people. And more often than not, they are completely staffed top to bottom with white women. So the person who's throwing away that resume because the name on the resumes is Lakeisha, Latasha, Tyrone. That's a more often than not, that's a white woman. It's a white woman doing it. So we can't let them skate on this. But I bring this all up to say big structural problems require big structural changes. And big structural changes to fight racism, to fight white supremacy, cannot give two shits about what white people think about it. They can't do it. We can't do it effectively worrying about white people's feelings. No. It cannot be done. And so I want to lay that groundwork before we get into it that I do not care what white people think about how we have to dismantle white supremacy. I do not care. You can go kick rocks. I don't care if it hurts your feelings and you feel disadvantaged and all that shit. I do not care. So, with that out of the way, what is the first thing we got to, you know, talk about? Look, man, some people think this is some kind of radical idea, but nah, man, fucking reparations. You got to start there. You got to start with reparations. Now, I've shared this quote many times, but I'm going to share it again just to give you context around why reparations is absolutely positively Something that should be done. And this is a quote by Dr. Amos Wilson. Look him up. Dope dude. Black man who specialized in studying and understanding the black psyche in America. And here's what he had to say about reparations. Now granted, he did not speak specifically to reparations, but you'll see why I use this. And the quote goes like this. Justice requires not only the ceasing of injustice but also requires either punishment or reparations for injuries and damages inflicted for prior wrongdoing. The essence of justice is the redistribution of gains earned through the perpetuation of injustice. If restitution is not made and reparations not instituted to compensate For prior injustices, those injustices are in effect rewarded. And the benefits of such rewards conferred onto the perpetrators of injustice will continue to draw interest, to be reinvested, and to be passed down onto their children who will use their inherited advantages to continue to exploit the children of the victims of the injustices of their ancestors. Consequently, injustice and inequality will be maintained across generations as will their social, economic, and political outcomes. Doesn't that just hit the nail right on the fucking head? Isn't that what we're seeing right now? Just the rewards being passed on from gener- from white generation to white, gener- white generations, the rewards of all manner of injustices and discrimination, banking, 
housing, wages, investment, redlining, on and on and on. That's why the idea that reparation is some kind of radical idea is bullshit. It's the right thing to do. You got to do it. And look, I am Haitian American, first generation, which means I'm arguing for something that I'm not going to get and I shouldn't get. Okay? Because America owes Haiti a whole nother set of debt. And we can get into that another time. But African Americans who can straight up trace their heritage back to slaves brought on ships here, raped, murdered, split from their families, beaten, dehumanized, fuck yeah, give those, give those people their fucking money. Because you built a country and an entire economy on their on their backs. Capitalism did not come about through some kind of noble doing by white people. No, it was built on the back of black slaves. This country owed those people a huge motherfucking check. That would be the first way I would start swinging at the structural racism that exists in this country. That is why it was so important during the presidential, at least the Democratic primaries, that we had people bring this up and say, yo, what the fuck? And I was so deeply, deeply disappointed by the answers by people like Bernie Sanders. I thought Castro, I believe that's his name, called him out perfectly. You went to put billions of dollars into health care to give people free health care, but somehow reparations and giving black people what's older than financially is out of bounds. That's why I don't blame black folks who didn't trust and didn't want to vote for Bernie Sanders, even though I thought after Warren that he was the best option. I didn't blame him because he he be fucking up on those on the race matters straight up and now. But that's a that's a discussion for another time. Another thing, big radical swing, completely decouple real estate value from school funding. Right now, Schools in neighborhoods, the funding that they get is based on the house or rather house values in that neighborhood. Banks artificially devalue homes in black neighborhoods. And oftentimes in black neighborhoods, they aren't even homes like just apartments. Right. So all that devaluation ends up being reflected in the school funding or the lack thereof. In other words, poorer neighborhoods have poor schools which is fucked up because clearly poor neighborhoods need the best schools because if you are in a poor neighborhood and you have poor schools all you're going to do is just find yourself in that cycle of poverty but that's exactly what they want because education has always been used as a method of stratifying this country that's why for a long time, all these institutions did everything they could to not only make sure that black and brown people had poor schools, but that they kept them out of the bad schools. If, if somehow a black person leaked out of the situation, of the circumstance that they put them in, well, they just wouldn't accept them at these great schools. Fuck, they wouldn't even accept them at these mediocre schools. Fuck great schools. They just wouldn't accept them at fucking any higher institution excuse me, any institution of higher learning. So right off the bat, no more basing how much money school gets based on the value of homes in that neighborhood. 
give schools in poor neighborhoods more money because they need it the most. The schools in the rich neighborhoods, mom and pop, they fucking make $500,000 a year together. They can figure the shit out. Okay? We're not going to be fucking holding hands of rituals. And in reality, if we really want to go for it, if we really want to get radical, and maybe this is what I should have started off with, we should straight up ban private schools in this country. Because I believe Finland banned, don't, don't quote me on this because I don't have the information right in front of me. I believe Finland, Finland banned private schools, which meant that rich kids had to go to the same school as the poor kids, which meant that the rich people were then, in, were then invested and motivated to make sure those schools were up to snuff. Not as easy to do here because even if you banned private schools, you know, housing segregation make you know plays a huge role in this as well. So we're not gonna get into that, but decouple school funding from housing values. All right. Next, serious. Now and I'm emphasizing this word: serious business and tax credit for hiring minorities, especially black women. And promoting them, not just hiring them, promoting them as well. You get extra if you promote them. And look, this is not the type of shit that was that's going to suddenly result in unqualified people getting jobs. Fuck out of here. You know how many white people I've seen get jobs because they were a diamond in the rough and they had potential. I've worked in corporate America for a minute, yo. I cannot tell you how often someone came with a resume and I was like, what would you even give me this resume? And it was like, this this is the son, the daughter, the nephew, the niece, the close friend of the CFO, the CEO, the CTO, someone on the board. You know, they have potential. I'm going to give them a shot. I'm like, fuck out of here. No, I'm not giving a job to someone because they're connected when if I have a job to give, I'm giving it to someone black. And I'm very well aware that that held me back. I mean, there are enough studies to show that if you're black, brown, or a woman, and you really fight for diversity in a company, that is held against you in terms of raises and promotions. That is a study out. Study. I think the study came out in 2017. So, yeah, I'm, I was even before that study, I was very well aware that that did not make me any friends. But I didn't give a fuck. If you are black and you have hiring power, that's how you give back. I was very lucky to be in that position, and I made sure I gave back. But that doesn't mean that I hire people who weren't qualified. Of course, I hire people who are qualified. Of course, I hire people who got the job done. Because just because you're giving someone a shot and an extra look because they're black and a woman doesn't mean you're giving them a look and they're not qualified. That's, that's always been a myth that white people told themselves, especially about things like affirmative action. So giving these businesses like serious credit and tax breaks for hiring minorities, especially black women, and for promoting them. Like don't just hire them and they're a fucking secretary forever. If they got the chops, the potential, the desire to go from secretary to sales accountant to sales executive to the fucking VP of sales, fucking promote them. And then you get extra you extra tax breaks, bigger tax breaks, additional tax breaks. Because trust me, in a, in a capitalistic society, yep, you're going to have to bribe some people sometimes. 
You can't just depend on them on doing the right things because it's the right thing to do. Nah, you're not the Bible. And so those are just some of the macro big things that you that we can do. And I'm sure that there are more. I'm sure there are people listening this listening to this right now that got more ideas that I'm not even thinking of right now. But those are the ones I just want to start out with. Some immediate solutions to help black women right now, especially those who are unable to help themselves because they just lost their jobs. Look, we got to get that $2,000 check, stimulus check, passed. Call your representatives and tell them, motherfucker, we gave Joe Biden, especially black women, call them and say, look, we gave Joe Biden not only the White House, but motherfucker, we gave you the Senate. Come through. And this is especially true if you live in West Virginia because Joe Manchin's fake Democrat ass is already talking about how he would vote against $2,000 stimulus checks. Something that even his constituents need. But his ass is so owned by donors and he is such a fake Democrat that he would stand in the way of something that people who he's supposed to serve absolutely need. So, call. Don't tweet. Don't email. Call them up. Get on the phone and make sure that shit passes. And then another thing that we can do that's even more local is that, look, if you're listening and you're like me and you're not unemployed, you have it like that a little bit, yo, donate to food pantries, man. If you know a sister in your building who is in your building on your block, maybe live in a in a private house and someone lives upstairs and you live downstairs or you live upstairs and they live downstairs, but you know that they're unemployed and they're struggling. If you got like that, instead of cooking for one, make it make home girl or just the family, make them an extra plate. Yo, like on some level, and it's a really important level. This is going to take community effort for us to help each other right now. And that's why I want to make sure that I illustrated those examples. Give to food pantries, you know? If, you, if you're cooking, make a little extra plate, if you got like that, for someone who you know is struggling, you know? And just knock on the door and say, hey, I made some extra food. Here, this is for you. I know, you, I know you're struggling right now, but this is for you. If you got like that, take, you know, give someone like $100 to go buy groceries, because that hundred dollars that you're helping them save and you're also giving them groceries, look, the, the research shows that black women are twice as likely as white women to not have enough food to eat right now. That's fucking crazy. That's crazy, man. As much as black women already suffer, now they're twice as likely to straight up be starving. We got food lines in this country that goes round blocks. Fucking breaks my heart, man. But we, especially in the black community, if there's something, if there's one thing that we excel at is that we look out for one another. So look out. You got 50 bucks, you got $100, you know, take your neighbor grocery shopping, just just pay for it. Look, whatever you need. Especially if they have kids, because black women are suffering right now, but black mothers, 
shit's out of control because if you're if you're a black mother and you work at one of these low wage jobs in excuse me during a pandemic and suddenly schools are closed you suddenly have to make a choice between staying home to watch your kids or missing work and when you miss work there's no paid sick leave there's no paid days off you're missing a check and then if you do decide that yo I can't miss work I got to go in I got to go make this money well now you're spending more money out of your pocket that you probably didn't have saved up that you probably weren't prepared for and not because you're a black woman not because you're a black person because the average american before the pandemic just the average american was not prepared for a $400 emergency because of the economy this idea that the economy was doing great because wall street was doing great was always bullshit my hope is that people really understand that now because even during this pandemic with all the layoffs and people losing their lives the economy excuse me the wall street the S&P, the nasdaq the dow they were all hitting fucking highs my hope is that people were paying attention and finally understand that when any politician, any person tells you the economy is doing great and they point to Wall Street as an example, that's bullshit. Just because Wall Street is doing great doesn't mean the average American is doing great because you only benefit from Wall Street doing great if you got stocks, if you're invested, right? And so you find ourselves in a situation where the economy even when people were bragging about it back in the day was not working for the average person because the average person couldn't could not afford a $400 emergency let alone now if you're a black woman and you find yourself working at these low wage jobs and suddenly now you need to find extra money to pay for a babysitter that shit is crazy now you now you extra broke now you extra stress so the act of just taking if you got it like that, again, I'm not pressuring anyone to do what they're not financially able to do. But if you're financially able to do it, you know who you are. You know you're in a good spot. You know you could help someone out with a $100 grocery trip. You know who you are. I'm not here trying to tell people to do things that they just can't do. But if you got it like that and you just help a single mother especially, a single father, a guardian, just looking after kids because of situations and circumstances. You just say, hey, let's just, I just want to take you out grocery shopping. You know, I got $100. You know, we could buy you some groceries. You have no idea. You have no idea how much of a blessing that would be for that person. Because it's going to take a community effort for us to get out of this situation. And it's going to take big structural changes, big, big structural swings, big swings. To take care of the structural problem because if we don't, this promises to worsen the wealth gap between races and the wealth gap between genders far worse than what it was before. And it was already really bad before. It was really bad before. So those are my thoughts on this issue. I really want to talk about this uh, because I think it's really important. Because, uh, you know, hell, there's probably people talking to me, excuse me, listening to me right now who lost their jobs in this situation, who are among the people who lost their jobs and can't find another one. I'm praying for you, yo. 100%. 100%. All right, that's all I got to say about this. Let's move on to the next topic.
So yeah, let's get into the second topic that directly touches the community. Apple just released a press release talking about a $100 million investment to promote racial equality for people of color in America. Now, there's a very specific reason why I'm bringing this up, and I will get into it shortly. But let's look at the details of this. Uh, So it's $100 million, and they are partnering with a... They're partnering with a couple of companies, to be clear. Uh, And the part of, excuse me, the intended goal of this is to clearly fight institutional racism in this country, um, however they can. So the breakdown of all this goes like this, right? Um, They are partnering with a, or rather, before I get into that, they're starting an entire academy called the Apple Developer Academy in Detroit. I love the fact that this is happening in Detroit because Detroit definitely needs some help. Uh, And so this is going to be a place for black entrepreneurs, creators, and coders to teach them how to develop apps, specifically on iOS. Now, it's not super great that it's constrained to iOS, but still, this is awesome. I can't tell you that this is a bad thing, Um, especially where it's happening. I think Detroit needs this specifically to help them out of their circumstances, out of their situation. And including that they are partnering and giving about $25 million to a company called Propel Center, which is a tech-focused hub for HBCUs. Uh, That's historically black colleges and universities. Um, Really important to my heart. Um, My hope is that I somehow one day have kids who get accepted to an HBCU and react the way that people react today getting accepted to Harvard because it's way more important to me that my kids go to an HBCU than some PWI. But yeah, so this tech hub is going to focus on giving, you know, people who are already in an HBCU like Clark, Atlanta, Spelman, Morehouse, so forth and so on, additional tech-focused resources and education like AI, machine learning, and things of that nature. Really important stuff because these are areas, you know, the app thing as well as this, what they're doing here in this tech hub, you know, for the HBCUs, these are industries where right off the rip, you're talking about making, at least, I mean, nowadays, you're talking about making at least $100,000 a year right off the rip, especially if you get educated and then on your own, you put together a couple of, you know, projects on your own, showing off what you can do, maybe build a couple of sites where, you know, you're actually fulfilling a need in the in the world, and then you put that on a resume, easily 100K just off the rip. Clearly, very important. They are also investing $10 million in a company with an awesome name, called Harlem Capital. I love that name. I want to name my children Harlem Capital. If if white people can name their children Apple, <laughs> what the fuck? That's still crazy to say. But if white people can name their children Apple, I can name my child Harlem Capital. Don't at me. And they're going to give him about $10 million. Uh, and this is a firm that is dedicated towards the goal of investing 
in a thousand diverse founders of companies over the next 20 years, clearly with a focus on minority businesses. Like I said before, or maybe I didn't say this in the last segment, there wasn't it wasn't too long ago that black women led every demographic when it came to entrepreneurship. Shit like this is what's going to help black women get out of the situation that systematic racism has put them in. And so, you know, these these particular investments are fantastic. I mean, I can't I'm not here to tell you that this is bullshit, that this does not matter, so forth and so on. That's that's not what I'm here to say. But I am here to remind you of an important quote from Martin Luther King Jr. And it goes like this. Philanthropy is commendable, but it must not cause the philanthropist to overlook the circumstances of economic injustice, which makes philanthropy necessary. I'll say it again. Philanthropy is commendable. But it must not cause the philanthropist to overlook the circumstances of economic injustice, which makes philanthropy necessary. The reason why I bring this up is while this is great, well, this is nice. Part of the problem that made these philanthropic contributions necessary is should like companies like Apple not pay their motherfucking taxes. So I, so it's one of those things where it's like, thank you, but you know what? If we actually charge these motherfuckers and made them pay pay their fair share in taxes, corporate taxes, as well as their millionaire and billionaire CEOs and CFOs and, and whatnot, we could probably get more than $25 million to give to an organization like Propel. More than $10 million to give to an organization like Harlem Capital. And so it's always important that when you see these rich corporations shelling out dollars and talking about, hey, we want to help racial equality and all that kind of stuff. It's always important to to remember, yeah, that's nice and all, but you're kind of part of the problem. I mean, Netflix pledge a hundred million dollars. Facebook, fucking Facebook, Facebook commits two hundred million dollars to support black-owned businesses. That's nice, Facebook. But you know what would also help black-owned businesses if you, I don't know, didn't support and let white supremacy and Nazis just run amok on your fucking platform. That would be nice too. Google committed $175 million to racial equality with a focus on black-owned businesses. That's all nice. That's all great. Cool. We'll take the money. But can you also pay your taxes? Huh? Can you pay your fucking taxes the way you're supposed to so then we can actually fund these schools in these messed-up neighborhoods so these kids, all of those kids can have a better shot at making it out, getting a solid education that prepares them to compete in this world and compete and win. That would be the better thing to do. We'll take it, but we can't suddenly forget the fuckery that happens behind the scenes. I remember when that billionaire at that college graduation ceremony said, hey, we're going to just pay 
he's going to just pay off the tuition for everyone in the audience and everyone went crazy. I was like, that's great. That's, that's fantastic. I'm not here to tell that that's not. But he's also a hedge fund guy, which means that he actually works behind the scenes to make sure that he doesn't get taxed and he doesn't have to pay much in taxes. But everyone in that audience that he's going to pay their tuition off, they're going to get taxed up the ass. And he's also part of the problem, which is the disappearing middle class. So we can't fucking ignore that. Thank you for paying off my tuition. But we can't ignore all the shit you're doing behind the scene that's causing the problem. Maybe if you wasn't doing that shit, more people in the audience can just afford to pay the tuition. I don't know. That's just my two cents on it. So when I saw that, my first thought was, uh-huh. And also, $100 million, again, when you're, if you're somebody listening to this right now, you're making barely $15. If $15, maybe you're even in a part of the country where the minimum wage is still like $8. To hear someone talk shit about $100 million just sounds out of pocket. And I get it. I'm not here to tell that you don't necessarily have a point. What I'm simply saying is that for a billion-dollar company, bordering on trillion-dollar company, $100 million is literally just change they find in their sofa. Okay? It it doesn't move the needle for them. Even now... $25 million would, is going to definitely move the needle for these organizations, okay? Especially organizations that have a tough time getting grants because I used to work for a grant writer years ago and, I, and, and she was black and she just wrote grants and grant you know requests and papers and documents for black people. That was basically the business, right? They paid her. She then put together all the applications, did all the writing to help these entrepreneurs and these nonprofits get money from the government to help out the neighborhood. That's why you so that's why it still pisses me off so much whenever people talk about, oh, black life might matter. You guys don't care about what's happening in the neighborhood. You guys only talk about when, you know, a cop kills someone. Shut the fuck up. There are people on the ground working their asses off, scrounging, begging for money. For profit, excuse me, nonprofits to serve all manner of needs in a black community. Just because they don't get shine on mainstream media doesn't mean they don't exist. Asshole. So, having worked for her and having seen all this, I really do understand that these nonprofits that are focused on helping the black community, A, they're great, but also B, they know how to make a little bit go a long way because more often than not, they're surviving on razor thin edges, man, razor thin edges. And so a million dollars goes a long way because they're making shit work on like a hundred thousand dollars in grants, maybe $200,000 in grants a year. And they're stretching that shit out as far as it can go. And so if you drop a million dollars on them, they can do so much with that. They, because they've learned to just be so financially prudent in exactly where to invest and how to invest. If you give them a million dollars, they can make that shit work. So now, if you give them, I mean, they can make that shit work to a phenomenal level. So then, if you give them 10, 20 million dollars, they can actually change lives for decades. 
right? So there's no small things for the org, okay? What I'm simply saying is that don't let that distract you from all the other shit that companies like Apple, Facebook, and Google are doing that worsen the situation and makes it necessary for the philanthropy, right? You don't get credit for putting out a fire you help start. That's basically where I'm coming from with that, right? If you just paid your taxes, then these neighborhoods and these these organizations, these nonprofits, these kids that you want to help, these black business owners you want to help, would, would probably already be getting that help from the government because they would have the money from taxing you to give to these black organizations. Now, of course, that it's just a whole different conversation because just because the government properly taxes people doesn't mean that that revenue goes in the right places, which is a whole nother set of no, a whole nother set of fuckeries to talk about, but that is something to keep in mind. So I just want to talk about this because there is two sides to this. I'm grateful that these companies are going to get it, get this money. I'm super grateful to have learned that the company, a company exists called Harlem Capital. I will be naming my first son Harlem Capital. <laughs> He's going to have to live with that. He better become a fucking billionaire. I'm not naming you that just so you can work on you know, the goddamn factory line. <laughs> Your name is Harlem Capital. You better own a goddamn island. I'm just saying. But yeah, this is this is nice. I can't say that this is not nice. But we need to keep the pressure on because so much more could be done for our community specifically if we just tax it. You know what I'm saying? I know I keep saying it, but that's that's really the big deal to remember. If we just tax them this would be necessary. All right, that's all I got to say about this. Let's move on to the next subject because I know this is already long, but I just want to get you know, all this off my chest. So the next topic I want to touch on is um, pretty focused. <laughs> like everything we talk about here is really focused, but this is really focused because I think this only matters to people who love music specifically hip-hop and i love hip-hop i listen to more producers and beat makers than i do straight up hip-hop you know uh and that's why this was really important to me because i think this really had an opportunity to negatively affect the entire musical industry but definitely hip-hop more than any other industry. So I'm talking about the Nicki Minaj versus Tracy Chapman lawsuit that was settled um, for copyright infringement. Now, when this first came on the radar, I absolutely supported Tracy Chapman. Uh, If you're going to sample an artist, pay them. I mean, just get permission. If they say no, don't do it, okay? If they say no, don't use their sample, if they say yes, make sure that you pay them. But, you know, pay them, especially if you're big time, right? Uh, I think sometimes, not I think, I know because I do make music myself, that oftentimes the struggle is with smaller, you know, producers and, and rappers who honestly, that song that you got on, you know, on YouTube, that song that you got on, on Instagram, on TikTok, it's never going to blow up. You know what I'm saying? It's just never going to, it's never going to be, you know, a radio hit. So if someone in that scenario samples someone else, 
it's no big deal. You know what I'm saying? They're not making enough money to make that a big deal. But if you're Nicki Minaj, if you're Nas, if you're Jay-Z, if you're any, you know, if you're, you know, J. Cole, you know, if you're No Name, if you're Rhapsody, if you're any of these big time rappers or artists who makes music that uses samples, you got to do that shit legit. So when I heard this thing, I was like, yeah, just pay the woman her her money and let's be done with this. But then I started getting into more details about what it was that Tracy Chapman was trying to sue for. And then I completely flipped and I was like on Nikki's side. In essence, what Tracy Chapman wanted to have um, ceased in terms of, you know, process is the idea that a producer would make a beat in the studio using the sample before asking permission. Because the way it usually goes is that a producer or beat maker, they get the sample, they make the beat, right? They experiment, they, they figure out, is this a good idea? And then once they actually have something, then they go to the artist and say, hey, can we use your sample? Here's what we got. Doesn't this sound cool? Let us use the sample in the song. More often than not, they say yes, and then everyone goes their merry way. What she was looking to do was completely stop the process of having people take a song and just experiment and make beats in a studio. Now, that's some crazy fuckery right there. What she was basically saying is, before you can even experiment on my shit, or any artist shit, you should ask for permission. That would bring the entire industry to a screeching halt that would really fuck people up and make them so scared to even try to even experiment to even take an idea that they have in their in their heads and just see does this work does this come together it would completely frighten them off of that shit which would completely fuck up the musical industry the music industry but specifically the hip-hop industry and so this was a huge deal Okay, this was a huge, huge deal. And I don't know how I can properly explain it to people who either don't care, (laughs) but especially to people who don't really understand the music process and the music industry, the ability and the freedom to experiment is so hugely important. Okay, and this would have completely shut that down, especially for people who make beats and music that uses samples, which largely is hip-hop. Now, from what I've read and from what I'm gathered, Tracy Chapman doesn't even like the idea of sampling to begin with, and so she has that bias. I don't know if she doesn't like hip-hop specifically, but I just know that she I've read that she doesn't like sampling as a practice. Whatever. Everyone is entitled to their opinion. You're entitled to like what you like. You're entitled to not like what you not like, what you don't like, right? Uh, and so that bias, however, f- you know, pushed her in this direction, which would have fucked things up. Now, thankfully, the judge said, no, 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 no. We can't do that. And so what the judge ruled was that the, exper- the, the experimentation in the studio was protected under fair use. As long as... Whatever it is you create in the studio isn't commercially released, 
it's all good. Now, what ended up fucking the whole shit up is that Nicki Minaj basically leaked this track herself on purpose, knowing full well Tracy Chapman did not approve of her using the sample, which then kind of started this whole shit up. And again, I would have been completely on Tracy Chapman's side if simply her argument was, hey, I told you not to use my sample. You use my sample anyway. And then you leak the song out and it's playing all over the radio. Pay me. Now you owe me money. Okay? If that was the argument, 100% on Tracy's side. But she took it too far. And so we're really lucky to everyone who loves music, but especially to everyone who loves hip-hop, we just dodged a major bullet. Okay? We just dodged a major bullet, which also is important to keep in mind that none of this would have happened if Nicki Minaj didn't leak this shit. Okay? If you're going to create something in a studio with an uncleared sample, stop with the fucking leaks. Okay? Stop fucking putting things out when you don't have permission because it may have failed this time, but the next time, we may not get a judge who's on our side. We may not get a a judge who thinks this way. The next time something like this happens and someone else sues and says, look, I don't even want them fucking experimenting with my shit. Like, if you're going to bring it into the studio and cut it up and resample, even if you don't put it out, you have to pay me if you're going to even do that. The next person who sues, if we get the wrong judge, she could be over, man. She could be over. So, yeah, I just wanted to talk about this real quick because, like I said, sampling specifically, that's a black art form, man. I am fascinated by people like Jay Dilla, like Mad Lib, you know, like DJ Premier, like Pete Rock, RZA. These fucking geniuses, yo. We need to be talking about them the same way we talk about Miles and Beethoven and Dizzy and Bach. You know? Just fucking musical geniuses who will hear a song and then get it and then completely reimagine it into a completely different thing and a completely different fucking, you know, groove. Just fucking amazing. Next level. But that whole art form of sampling cutting shit up, putting it back together, reversing it, doing all type of shit, that whole shit goes away if motherfuckers keep on leaking shit when they don't have clearance for samples. All right? So my hope is that people in the industry, producers, rappers, singers, all those people, they learn from this because you just dodge a major bullet. And me, both as a beat maker who makes beats using samples, as a hobby, hopefully not, it's not going to be a hobby too much longer. I'll, I'll get good enough to actually be able to release some shit. But to me, as a beat maker, but also a music lover, this was fucking, you know, I was biting my nails, man. I was fucking concerned. And so I'm glad this went our way. And if you're a music lover like I am, yo, you got to be thankful that this went our way this time. But... Motherfuckers got to be careful. They got to be careful because next time we may not be so lucky. So I just want to touch on that real quick because that, def- that definitely directly affects us. And look, I'm not jumping on this train of like, fuck Tracy Chapman. I'm not, I'm not doing that. Was she out of bounds? Yes, in my opinion, yes. 
You know, she kind of she kind of took it too far. Okay, but we skated this time. I kind of feel that this is mostly Nicki Minaj's fault. She got a Drake feature on a song. It sounded dope. She got out of herself, and then next thing you know, we are we are in this predicament. Okay. Hopefully next time she gets a nice feature on the on the song, she clears everything. Like hope she learns from this. Clear all the shit. Okay? And if you can't clear it, replace it. Okay? Re- find a way to replace it and make it still sound fucking awesome. So that we don't find ourselves fucking fucking, you know, biting our fucking fingernails off off hoping a judge doesn't fucking fucking fuck up the entire industry. So yeah, that's all I want to say about it. Felt it was important to touch on and now we're moving on to our final topic if you're listening all the way through this thank you i appreciate i appreciate the support on to the final topic so this final story that i'm going to talk about today this final bit of news is going to be rough to talk about and to keep my anger down this is going to be a, a tough spot for me to kind of control myself and not get out of control to the point where I'm yelling in this microphone and blowing your eardrums out or your speakers or whatever. But the news came through that the ex-governor of Michigan, Rick Snyder, is going to be charged. He's going to be charged with willful neglect of duty. Now, when I read that part, I thought, all right, about motherfucking time get this motherfucker this motherfucker presided over the poisoning of an entire community of people lied to them poisoned them moved his ass as slowly as possible to actually fix the situation get him but then I read a little bit more and I could not believe what I was reading the charge, understand, this is a motherfucking governor, okay? I mean, I know most of you have heard, to whom much is given, much is required. You would expect that if you're going to charge a governor with poisoning a community with something that sounds like this, willful neglect of duty, it will be major. Nah, it's a fucking misdemeanor. I could not believe what I read here. It's a fucking misdemeanor punishable by up to, up to a year in jail and a thousand dollar fine. How the fuck do you let a motherfucker appointed to the office of governor, supposed to be looking out for the people, Poisoned those people. Knew well in advance that shit was going sideways. Lied about it. Allowed these people to get poisoned. Led to many deaths. Specifically of Legionnaire's disease. How the hell do you charge him with something that will only maybe result in a year in jail? Because when you hear, fuck it, look. We're talking about rich white dudes. If you're going to charge him with something that will only result in up to a year in jail, you know that motherfucker's not going to jail at all. 
that's a e- that's easy work for a lawyer to get some kind of plea deal done and he ain't spend no time in jail. That's easy work. It's almost unfair of a lawyer to even bill for those hours. That's so easy. That's what the fuck we're looking at right now. Okay? That in all likelihood, he's going to get away with it. If that was the case, Miles would not even charge him. Understand that he allowed lead poisoning to go all over Flint and poison so many children, so many black children, so many black children that are now going to have behavioral and learning issues because their water was fucking filled with lead. Before the water turned that murky brown, it was already poisoned. And so those beautiful black children are going to have to live with that. Fucking crazy mood swings, unable to concentrate Unable, you know, just out of out of control anger issues. You don't understand the the fuckery that happens in the human body when you let when you have lead poisoning, man. The inability to focus, learning disabilities, man. Brilliance cut the fuck off because this rich white dude who thought he can do whatever the fuck he wanted and didn't have to pay any fucking price. And guess what? They're showing him that yeah. That is true. That is correct. You do not have to pay any price. How do you not charge him with something like manslaughter? Because he legitimately led to a situation that killed people. At least, from what I recall, a hundred people died from Legionnaire's disease that came through the pipes. That was completely on him. And on top of that, if I recall other reports correctly, they found out that he knew well in advance. I mean, before it became a national story, he knew. And he did everything he could to cover it up. And so the question, of course, has to be asked. Is this what would happen if we were talking about white people? Had he poisoned an entire community of white people, you think he would just be charged with a misdemeanor? I don't fucking know. I don't at the I not no. No. I don't. Absolutely not. And this is what we're talking about when we talk about Black Lives Matter. This is what we're talking about with institutional racism. This motherfucker should be fearing that he's going to spend the rest of his days. Look, I'm one of those dudes that if you, through willful acts, cost someone their lives, you got to pay with your life, man. Unless it's about self-defense, that you take someone's life because you're protecting yourself, your family, your friend. Almost every other situation where you take someone's life, you got to pay with your own. That doesn't necessarily mean death penalty, but you got to spend many years in jail. And this is why I'm one of those people who who am a big fan of street justice, man. Fuck that. If you're going to let this motherfucker poison people and not spend, again, a misdemeanor with up to a year in jail and a maximum fine of $1,000. Rich white dudes don't go to jail on misdemeanors at fucking all. It is an absolute disgrace. 
a slap in the face. That's what this is. This is saying that those black children, those black people poisoned, who died, don't matter. He should absolutely be charged at minimum with manslaughter. At minimum, he should be charged with manslaughter. Because he presided over the poisoning and the deaths. His actions led to direct deaths in that community. At minimum, he should be charged with manslaughter. Now, the problem, one of the many problems in this situation is that oftentimes the legal system and lawyers and DAs, they're not about charging what's appropriate. They're about charging what they can win. Not even what they can prove, just what they can win. And so this person who came up with this probably thought, hey, I can win this case. I don't necessarily think I can win a manslaughter case, which is a whole a whole nother commentary. You do the right thing regardless whether you can win. This is truly, truly disgusting, yo. Because again, man, he 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 is one of those things where if it was if it played out differently, he made a mistake, owned up to it, and moved heaven and earth to fix the problem, okay, as quickly as he possibly could, still would be fucked up, but hey, people make mistakes, he did everything he could, as quickly as he could, regardless of the, regardless of the obstacles, to fix the situation, nah, but that's not what happened, he knew sooner than he let on, than he, let on. he lied about it, even while people were dying, and being poisoned, he lied about it. It took people actually filling jugs, jugs with that dirty water and presenting it for people to finally believe him. Because if it's a black person's word against a white guy, especially a rich white guy, ain't nobody believing a black person, especially a poor one. Nah. Okay, so he didn't own up to it. He tried his best to cover it up. And then he fucking sat on his hands. He sat on his hands instead of fucking cleaning the shit up as quickly as he possibly could. Children were being poisoned. Children were dying. And he chilled out. He literally he literally had an opportunity to quickly, even though it would have cost mad dollars, but he could have quickly changed the water source from the river to Detroit, which is where Flint is getting their water now. But I understand if they don't trust it. I understand I understand if they're like, yeah, we're still using filters. We're still boiling the shit. They've been totally scarred. Okay? I totally get it. But he could have made that move to have Detroit supply the water for Flint quickly. It would have cost money. But he could have made that move quickly, but nope, he sat on his hands and decided that saving money was more important than saving lives and saving those black children because they were black. This is a slap in the face. And this is why I am a big proponent of street justice. Because if you're going to if you're going to let motherfuckers like these get away with shit, 
then you cannot complain if motherfuckers take out a couple of kneecaps, yo. Fuck it. Might go to jail, might get caught, but there needs to be justice. And this is not justice. Justice. And it's the kind of thing that just fills you with, you know, it's it's so hard not to hate white people in this fight for black liberation. Because shit like this, man, they get away with literally murdering our people. I'm, st- it's it's work. It's work because hatred is is poisonous. It's a poison well. But ooh, days like this, moments like this, news like this, makes it hard. It makes it hard, man. It makes it hard to deal with people who don't see you as human and don't see you as valuable enough to fight for. He should be charged with at minimum manslaughter. And now he's going to get away with it. Because when he does get away with it, I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but there is a thing called double jeopardy, right? Meaning we can't charge him again for the same shit. Fucking crazy. So that's the last bit of news I want to talk about today. I don't have any solutions for this. You know what I'm saying? I don't have a thing to tell. Hey, let's go do this. Let's go do that. I don't even know if the the Biden administration has any authority to do anything here. I have no idea. I have no idea. So it's one of those things where we just have to. This may be another bit of disrespect that we have to just eat. And it fucking sucks. It absolutely sucks. So, that's it for today. That's it for the podcast. Thank you if you listened all the way through. I really appreciate it. Don't forget, subscribe, review, give us five stars, and share this with your friends. Let's get this community popping. You know, I'm working on the back end here to get some things going. That's definitely going to help the community, help educate, help inspire. So having your support is really important. So subscribe, listen, share, and give us give me those five stars. So I will talk to you guys next week. Actually, <laughs> I think I'm, I'm probably going to do some, some drops during the week and the weekend because news is coming hot and heavy. I didn't even talk about the impeachment. You know, I didn't even talk about that. And I, I you know, if I'm going to be talking about news, we got to talk about that, right? But I didn't feel like talking about that today. I, I really want to kind of focus on specifically black issues in this episode. But, yeah, I will I will be dropping, you know, you know, a couple of shorts here and there about the impeachment. My thoughts on whether or not it's wise, whether or not it's important, where it's going to go, et cetera, and et cetera. So you will be hearing from me before Monday. Nevertheless, thank you for listening. Again, subscribe, rate me with those five stars, and share with your friends, and let's grow this community. I'll talk to you guys soon. Peace.